Welcome everyone, my name's Tom Kent and today we're looking at lesson number 12 from March 13 to 19, The Desire of Nations. Before we jump in, I just want to have a prayer and then we're just going to look at scripture. So I would invite you uh, just to have your Bible ready and we're going to be sort of jumping around a little bit, but focusing obviously um, on those texts and passages in Isaiah, uh, specifically chapter 59 to 61. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, Lord, we just ask that as we open your word, uh, Lord, your word is so powerful. Your word is um, so amazing. But Lord, we know also that your word, um, it's spiritual and spiritual things need to be spiritually discerned. Father, we can't understand your word without the help and aid of your spirit. And so, Father, we simply ask that your spirit of truth will lead us into the truth, that we may see a clearer picture of Christ. Uh, Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to study your word, and um, may we just be diligent to do so in the time that we're living in. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The desire of nations. The desire of nations, I think, is such an interesting <coughs> title, um, it's a quotation from Haggai chapter 2 and verse 7, where it speaks of Christ being uh, the desire of nations who will come to the temple. Um, and yeah, I love that title for Christ. I think it's so amazing, really, um, simply because in Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13, that Bible verse gives us an understanding of the problem with humanity. Humanity has committed two evils. Uh, the first one is that uh, they have forsaken the fountain of living waters, being God, and they've gone out to try and um, find fulfillment uh, in broken wells that can hold no water. And this is really a picture of, of the sin problem, right? We have gone to sin. We have gone looking for fulfillment in sin. Um, but what that ends in is dissatisfaction, but also separation from God, as we're about to learn. But what we find is in that title, The Desire of Ages, uh, we see the answer for what every human heart is really looking for, what the human heart really desires and hungers for. Uh, Satan tries to blind us from the fact of it, but what it really leads us to is Christ and his righteousness and his love. What I want to do is I want to read uh, the quote. I think it's a really cool quote to start off uh, this lesson. And then we're probably going to spend more time uh, sort of in scripture and sort of just going through the passages and then uh, we'll bring it to a close. But the quote here in uh, lesson number 12, it says, We must learn in the school of Christ. Nothing but his righteousness can entitle us to one of the blessings of the covenant of grace. We have long desired and tried to obtain these blessings, but have not received them because we have cherished the idea that we could do something to make ourselves worthy of them. We have looked away from, we have not looked away from ourselves believing that Jesus is a living Savior. We must not think that our own grace and merits will save us. The grace of Christ is our only hope of salvation. 
Through his prophet, the Lord promises, let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Isaiah 55 verse 7. We must believe the naked promise and not accept feeling for faith. When we trust God fully, when we rely upon the merits of Jesus as a sin-pardoning Savior, we shall receive all the help that we can desire. Ellen White, Faith and Works, page 36. What a powerful quote. And what a way to set us up for this lesson. Um, just really pointing out the importance of Christ and His righteousness. Uh, the importance of living by God's grace but also pointing out the fact that there is nothing at all within ourselves that can merit anything in salvation. Um, There is nothing at all uh, inside of us that is uh, a blessing in this sense. Uh, There is nothing inside of us that is good. That's what we find in Romans chapter 7. In Jeremiah and also Romans chapter 8, we find that we have a wicked and deceitful heart and that we have a mind that is carnal and um, it's against the law of God, against God's law, against his principle of love. And so we have a bit of a problem and we're in need of a savior. Um, But something important to note here is that before we uh, can receive the benefits of, of a savior, we do need to realize and see um, our sin, our problem, our brokenness. And it's not pretty, but it's needful to receive um, the grace which is unto salvation. I think this is an important point, And um, it's interesting to note that the way they would do evangelistic series back hundreds of years ago, um, they used to do it in a different way. One of the first things that they would preach would be the law. It's an interesting thing to preach first, right? But they would preach first the law, the law of God. And the reason why these preachers did so is because straight away, these preachers wanted the people to realize uh, their sin problem. And that would, uh, you know, through the spirit, Uh, convict them of sin, and um, then they would be prepared to receive the righteousness of Christ. Uh, It's just, I just thought that was interesting. I was reading a book the other day, and it it said that, sorry, not the other day, like the other month. Um, But yeah, interesting thought. I want to read from Isaiah 59. So if you have your Bible, open with me, and we're going to be reading from Isaiah 59. It says here in, let's start reading in verse 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. Two verses in Scripture that are quite powerful and enlightening, really. Sin, according to 1 John chapter 3, is the transgression of the law. We understand that. Um, But this sin, this transgression has caused separation. And it's kind of interesting, really, the way that it's framed here. Um, There's like questions, you know, that sort of arise. And the lesson alludes to this idea as well is that it's kind of like, hey, Lord, 
Why aren't you listening to me? Why aren't you hearing my prayers? Why aren't you near? Um, and it gives us a solid testimony here. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. I think this is such a powerful verse because what this chapter then delves into is um, sin and its effects. And so I want to just just put those two verses on the shelf because we're going to come back to this idea of like why in the first place, why would we be questioning that? And it's for a very good reason. And I think it's very relevant for us today. Let's read on. And I'm just going to read straight through. We've got the time. Um, at the moment, we've got the time. So we may as well do it. I'm going to read straight through all the way through to verse 16. And we'll pause there and make a few points. <clears throat> so verse 3, Isaiah 59. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perverseness. None calls for justice, nor any do any plead for the truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They hatch vipers' eggs and weave the spider's web. He that eats of their eggs dies, and that which is crushed breaks out into a viper. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil. They make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they do not know, and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made for themselves crooked paths. Whoever goes... In them shall not know peace. Therefore is judgment far from us, neither does justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold obscurity, for brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. Isn't that so interesting? We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are so sickly from sin that we are so blind that it's as if it's like noonday. It's as if the sun is as high as it can be in the sky and yet we cannot see. We're, we're groping around trying to find our way around because sin has blinded us so much. We are in desolate places as dead men. We roar all like bears and mourn like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far off from us. For our transgressions are, are multiplied before you. Our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us. And as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing, cressing, and lying against the Lord, and departing away from our God, speaking oppression, revolt, and conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, the judgment is turned away backward. And justice stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. These verses leading up to verse 15 have sort of been describing in a way sin and its effects. But furthermore, I think this is so interesting. These verses have been describing what it was like leading up to the second coming, uh, the first coming of Christ. It was what it's like leading up to the first coming of Christ. And I think this is important because I think there's not only lessons that they had to learn, but there's lessons for us to learn 
leading up to the second coming of Christ. Capture this verse 15 and just just really think upon these words. Yeah, truth fails. Where it says fails, that word, um, if you look it up in uh, the Hebrew, you actually find that it, it gives the idea that, yeah, truth is, of, is made of no effect. That's essentially the, the idea it gives. Yeah, truth is made of no effect. Truth fails. And he that departs from evil makes himself a prey. And the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no judgment. Friends, I want to just pause on this Bible verse in verse 15 because the very next verse, verse 16, it says, He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation to him and his righteousness, it sustained him. That Bible verse is literally talking about Christ. Verse 15 is so interesting to me for two reasons. And really, it's two questions that I want to ask you. Yeah, truth has been made of no effect. Okay, question. Friends, are we living in a society where truth has been made of no effect? Think about it. The biblical truth, God's ways, His truth, has it been made of no effect in the societies and the world that we're living in? Second question. The next part of this Bible verse says this, He that departs from evil makes himself a prey. Now think about that. If you look at the margin, uh, it makes it even more clear. It says, and he that departs from evil is accounted as mad. Okay, so here's the second question. Are we living in a time, are we living in a society, are we living in a time and place where if we choose to remove ourselves from the evil and the sin in this world and say, Lord, I want to walk in your ways and through repentance, forgiveness, and by God's grace, we walk in the ways of his word. We walk in the way that Christ walked. If we were to do that, would we be accounted as mad? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Truth has been made of no effect. And when we choose to repent of evil and walk in God's way, we're accounted as mad. I find this Bible verse so interesting because truth has been so, it's been mingled and um, Satan has tried to make error to look like truth and truth to look like error in the world that we're living in. There's a big population of Christians in the world, but it's unfortunate because Satan is doing a work of deception to make Christians think that the way that they're walking in, and friends, we're all in need of true discernment when it comes to this. Satan is doing a work to deceive us into thinking that we can we can have God as a part of our lives and and still have you know this other stuff on the side sin selfishness pride right the love of the world all these things and this is really a pretty big problem because truth and the truth of scripture is so important for us friends it's it's so important for us to 
just be dedicated to the truth wholly. I want to read a, a, a quote. It's from Faith and Works as well. And it says this. Um, it says, Dishes of fables are presented to us on every hand, and men choose to believe error rather than truth. Why? Right? Men choose to believe error rather than truth. Why? Because the acceptance of the truth involves a cross. Just catch that. Let me read it again. Dishes of fables are presented to us on every hand, and men choose to believe error rather than truth because the acceptance of the truth involves a cross. If we are to accept the truth, friends, it's exactly what Jesus says in, in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. If any man will come after, if any man will be my follower, that's what Jesus is saying. If any man will follow me, he must take up his cross and deny self and die daily. Friends, the truth of the gospel is to be crucified with Christ that he may live in us and that we may be laid in the dust. The life that we now live in the flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God. The world today is being deceived to think that Christ can be a part of their lives. When to receive the truth of Christ means to surrender your whole life to him. But instead, what we find is that you have Christians choosing to take Jesus as a part of their life and still living on in their, in their, with their carnal nature ruling, letting the flesh take hold, right? But if you look in Galatians chapter 5, it's probably verse 16, 17, 18 around there, the works of the flesh, if we're letting the flesh live in control, then heresy, that's, that's the next thing. Heresy is one of the works of the flesh. A lot of lies. A lot, it's a big problem. I want to look at some verses because to really receive the truth is so important. And I've been really making a point on Isaiah 59, but I think it's so important. Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts 26. What we find in Acts 26 is someone who stood for the truth. And I just want to look at the response this whole idea of when someone departs from evil to walk in the way of truth, you know, um, they make themselves a prey or they're, they're accounted as mad. And, and I want to look at that because we actually see it in Scripture. If we look at Acts chapter 26, uh, Paul is, is giving, um, you know, sort of uh, this talk about his conversion and his ultimately his decision to walk away from the path of evil and to walk in the way of truth. He's speaking um, to King Agrippa. And what we find here is so interesting in verse 24. Check this out. This is the response of one of the people who were listening to him. As he thus spoke for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning does make you mad. Paul was one who stood for the truth and he was accounted as mad. Friends, the simple point that I want to make here, it's, it's simple. We, we could just say it, but it's interesting to look at it in scripture. Are you so devoted to the truth that you're not worried about what anyone else will say, what anyone else will do? 
The truth means more to you than anything else. The truth of Christ. The truth of the gospel. Acts 22 verse 22 makes another point. Acts 22 verse 22, it gets even further, right? Paul, again, declaring his conversion, walking away from the path of evil to the, to the way of truth. Verse 22, they gave him audience, but then they lifted up their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. This is the progression, friends. First, you'll be accounted as mad. Then after that comes persecution. This isn't to bring fear or strike fear into anyone's heart. That's not the purpose of this. If that's what the Holy Spirit is doing, then let the Holy Spirit do his work of conviction of sin, right? Sure, but the whole point is simply to really think and and grapple with the point that, simply put, is Jesus everything to you? Is Jesus everything to you? We're not just talking about some sort of random truth. It's the truth with a capital T and it's expressed in the word of God in scripture. Is it everything to you? Charles Spurgeon says these powerful words when he says, if Christ is not all to you, then he is nothing to you. Christ will never go into a a partnership as a part savior of men. If he must be something, then he must be everything. But if he's not everything, then he's nothing to you. Friends, the world hates the biblical Christ. The world hates it. And the reason why the world hates it is because Christ is full of goodness and full of love. And the reason why the world hates that, why would they hate that? The reason why the world hates it is because we are not full of goodness and not full of love. We're loveless and we're evil. That's why we push back. Friends, we, we push back and we, we hold on to our own condition and, and we, we don't want to let it be exposed because we don't want to be exposed. But the truth is, until you can be convicted of righteousness, you need to be convicted of sin. The beautiful thing about Isaiah um, is that it kind of gives the problem um, in Isaiah 59. But what we find also is uh, the answer as well. Isaiah 59, we go through the sin problem and not only the sin problem, but how that has manifested itself, right? It gets to the point where it's, pretty full on and and like a polar opposites right truth and error they it's the way of truth and the way of error there's this big gulf in between and anyone who decides to to jump across to to walk in the way of truth they're accounted as mad right not only friends but in this time but of of where the scripture is talking about leading up to Christ's first coming but very much in our society today friends before Christ's second coming it talks about from verse 16 onward, um, just about Christ, right? For he put on, let's, let's read from verse 16 through to 21. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation to him and his righteousness, it sustained him. 
For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for, for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the islands he will repay re recompense. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth, nor out of the mouth of your seed, nor out of the mouth of the seed seed, says the Lord from henceforth and forever. We're going to come back in a, in a moment to the idea of uh, vengeance, um, but let's continue on for the sake of time. Arise, this is chapter 60 now. Arise, shine, for the light is come, for your light is come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you. And then we get to the memory text for this week. And the Gentiles should come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. This really is, um, as it says in the lesson, the, the universal appeal. This really is... Um, the message of hope. This really is this proclamation that in the midst of this all, in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of this, this sin and selfishness and in the midst of all this chaos, it's this appeal uh, to be found in Christ, right? For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you. That is the work of the gospel, friends. For God's glory to be seen upon you, that's a transformation. That's righteousness by faith. That's an experience of repentance. That's an experience of forgiveness. And by God's grace, walking in his ways, that's what that is. That's what God is offering to his people. And especially in this time, not only it says in verse 3, and the Gentiles shall come to your light and the king to the brightness of your rising this appeal um as it says in the lesson was not only something that is made in isaiah's time but it you know it's it's all throughout scripture and a prominent time when it was made was in the time of uh abraham right the blessing that was pronounced to abraham and through abraham upon all nations through him through his seed it's interesting, if we turn back to Acts again, it's, if there's an interesting uh, verse that kind of gives us an understanding of what this blessing looks like to receive it through Christ. So Acts chapter 3, verse 25 and 26, it says, You are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in your seed shall all the kindreds or the nations of the earth be blessed. Check this out, verse 26. Acts chapter 3, verse 26. Unto you first having raised up his son, Jesus, sent him to bless you. That's the blessing, right? Jesus is blessing. But what does that mean? In turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Friends, what's, what's pronounced uh, to Abraham? What's pronounced even in the garden, right? What's pronounced uh, to Isaiah is not just simply, oh yeah, you have a sin problem and I'm just going to cover you and that's it, right? 
I'm just going to forgive you and that's it. No, 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 no. That's, that's not what the message of Scripture is. That's not the message of restoration. That's not the message of redemption. The powerful thing is that the blessing that comes from Christ when we come to Him, according to this verse, is that He will turn us away from our iniquities. I think that's so important to remember because, friends, the problem that we see in the world is that Christianity is coming to a place and it just it makes me a little bit angry and it, it makes me angry for this reason because there is so much fulfillment to be found in Christ. There is so much fulfillment. There is so much joy and happiness to be found walking in his ways and Satan blinds us to think that we can just receive some sort of a covering for iniquity and continue on in sin. That's not the case. That is not the case. Romans chapter 5 talks about being justified, forgiven, and declared righteousness, right? Righteous according to Christ. Declared. There's that declaration. He, he puts his covering over us. That's true when we're forgiven, right? Romans chapter 1 verse 16 and 17 goes further to say that the righteousness of God will be revealed in our life. Not only is it declared, friends, but it will be revealed. There is a transformation that takes place in our lives where we not only are delivered from sin in the sense that we are delivered from its punishment, but we are delivered from the power of sin by God's grace. That's the truth of Scripture. That's the truth of Romans chapter 1 and verse 5 where it says, we have received grace and apostleship. What reason have we received grace, friends? It says there, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience. Friends, simply put, obedience means walking in the ways of life. Jesus has made a way for us to walk in the way that we were created to walk, to live in the way that we were created to live, to experience the abundant life. And that is the joy and hope that we read here in Isaiah. That this is the excitement of Isaiah is that it's a message of restoration, friends. It's a message of restoration. And we shouldn't belittle it as it has been belittled before. Isaiah chapter 61 talks about um, Christ's ministry. And there's a good point that's made in the lesson uh, that not only was this Christ's ministry, uh, but it was... It was kind of like uh, Christ's, and maybe it isn't as explicit as I'm about to say it in the lesson. Uh, it talks about us being the followers and how we should follow on. I'm just simply making the point that uh, when we look at this ministry of Christ, his desire is for his disciples to continue that ministry of, of, of healing through the power of the Spirit, right? There's nothing good that comes from us. There's nothing inside ourselves that that creates or, or conjures up this, this goodness in any way. But the whole point is that through Christ, we have connection with God. We have experienced repentance and forgiveness. We have received the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit alone by the Spirit, we have the love of God poured out into our hearts, right? We alone by the Spirit, we have power to walk in the ways um, of Christ. The Bible says, and this really is reference to John 15, uh, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6 talks about the fact that uh, if anyone abides in him, he ought 
himself also to walk or to live even as Jesus lived, right? And so what we find here is in Isaiah chapter 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to the blind uh, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment, uh, sorry, going all Boston language up in here, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Okay, this is talking about the ministry of Christ, and we're going to get to a point here and close up and talk about the vengeance of our God. But friends, I think it's so important to remember, if you study John chapter 15, what you find is that the branches that abide in the vine produce fruit, and that fruit comes from the same sap you know, speaking tree language that was in the vine. So the vine being Jesus, us, the branch being connected to the vine, that same spirit that was in Christ is the spirit that lives, that that works in his followers, right? And we produce fruit. What kind of fruit is it? Well, it's fruit to the glory of God. It's fruit that resembles and reflects the character of Christ. And so what is being... Uh, worked in God's followers day by day through the spirit of the Lord, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, is this transformation, this, this work of sanctification, whereas we're beholding Christ each day as we're looking upon him, we're walking with him, we're keeping our eyes fixed on him. The spirit of the Lord is, is working miracles in our lives. And, and I'm simply meaning miracles in the sense that Day by day, Tom is being laid in the dust. Day by day, Tom's words are resembling more and more the words of Christ. Day by day, Tom's actions are becoming more like Christ and less like himself. Now remember, sanctification is the work of a lifetime. It's a journey. And the Bible says in Psalms 37 verse 23 and 24, I think, says the steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he shall fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. It's this journey, right? The steps of a good man, the steps of those that follow Christ, they're ordered by the Lord. The Lord tells us where we're going and we follow. Though we fall, we shall not be utterly cast down because he's upholding us, right? There's forgiveness, there's mercy on this road. There's grace to continue in his strength. Friends, what we need to realize is something so important. What the Bible tells us is that there is a way which seems right to man, but those are the ways of death. What we find here in Isaiah chapter 61 is the way of the Lord. It's the way of the Lord. It's ministry. It's working for the salvation of others. It's service to humanity. It's living in Christ and walking in the ways of truth. And friends, Christianity today will tell you that Christ can just be simply a part of your life. But they miss the point because they're setting, it's setting everyone up for failure. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 4, these are they which follow the Lamb wherever He goes. 
It's so easy to follow the lamb wherever we want him to go. Friends, I admit that it's so easy to just follow Jesus where it's easy or where where I want him to go. But I have to learn, friends, and we all have to learn that what scripture teaches is that for our good and for our salvation and for our eternal hope, we need to follow the lamb wherever he goes. Through the times of joy and happiness and goodness, which there are many, And through those times of self-denial and humility and growth, which can be tough, through the trials and tribulations, which work patience, it's tough, friends, but Christ is calling us to walk with him. Friends, I I I just want to be with Christ. If that's your decision, that's the point. I just want to be with Christ. Lord, wherever you go, I'm following. That's because I just want to be with you. I just want to follow you. Friends, what the world needs is truth preached. Because when it says, when we were reading about Paul and how they they said, when Festus said, Paul, you're beside yourself, you're mad. All this truth that you've been learning, it's, it's causing you to be mad. Friends, that will continue to come to Christ's followers. Not only will it be outside the church, but it will also be inside the church. And the reason I'm not trying to put any, you know, division. I'm not saying that there's, there's, you know, in church, we need unity. We need to work together. We need in the spirit of the Lord to move forward. But I'm just saying that even inside the church, people will think you're mad for following Christ fully. It's just true. And the reason why it's true is because not only is the world outside the church, but it's inside the church. The reason why the world is inside the church is because we haven't been preaching the truth. We haven't been preaching the truth. The truth of the gospel. Read the first two chapters of Galatians. And time and time again, you'll hear this phrase, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the gospel. And you know what it climaxes in? Galatians 2.20. For I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not me. Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The truth of the gospel is a complete crucifixion of self and a complete allowance of Christ to have full control in your life, your words, your thoughts, your actions. We need to close up, friends, but talking on just a brief thought on the vengeance of our God is this... Jesus is coming back a second time. And Enoch preached it and prophesied it correctly in the book of Jude, where it says, I can't remember the wording exactly, but he talks about how God will come. He'll bring vengeance upon those who live ungodly. Um, This is the point, friends. God has a very difficult thing that he's working through even to this point and it's this the very thing that god hates sin selfishness the very thing that god hates it can't it can't live in his presence the very thing that god hates is connected to the very thing that he loves sinners right and there's this connection between sin and sinners and and to live in god's presence there needs to be that sin removed Right, And it's through righteousness by faith. It's through forgiveness. 
that can be found in Christ. God is desiring to do a cleansing work in his people. Jesus is up in heaven right now. Since 1844, he's been working and ministering in the most holy place, cleansing the sanctuary. And that's not just something that's random and up in the air and, and not kind of significant. That's hugely significant. If you read, read Leviticus 16, not only will you read that uh, the sanctuary needs to be cleansed, but you'll read that the people of God need to be cleansed too. There is a cleansing work that God is doing in his people to cleanse them of sin, to cleanse them of selfishness. And that is done through that day-by-day day walk with Jesus Christ to increase and abound in love, right? To receive the love of God through the Holy Spirit into our hearts according to Romans 5.5. 5. Why? So that people can see Christ and come to Him, right? So that we can live for Him, that we can be His witnesses. When Jesus comes again, there will be a day of vengeance upon sin the wrath of god is upon sin friends sin is something that needs to be repented of so that we can walk with christ and so that there is no sin on our record because we're covered in christ's righteousness right but friends if we cherish sin why should we expect any other thing than the wrath of God to fall upon us. That's heavy, but it's true. Like if the wrath of God is poured out against sin and if we choose to cherish sin, then there's, there's nothing else to the equation. I know that's plain. I know that's just, I don't know, but it's just the truth. Friends, the truth of the gospel is that we can find the divine remedy through Christ uh, we can be forgiven through Christ. Sin can be taken away. The Bible tells us in John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And day by day, friends, we can, through the Spirit of the Lord, become more and more like Jesus and less like ourselves, so that in the day of Jesus' second return, we can stand pure and holy in Christ alone, not in ourselves, in Christ alone. And so, friends, I want to invite you to pray with me. And I just pray simply that uh, you were blessed by this. I pray that there were some points um, that you connected with. I know we've gone over time, but really it, there wasn't enough time <laughs> to get all through it. Uh, there's so much more we could have delved into. But, friends, I just want to leave you with this. Will you choose to make Christ everything to you? Will you choose to follow the truth with all your heart? Will you choose just... Whatever it takes, just follow Christ wholeheartedly. Whatever it takes, remove. The Bible says in Psalms 119 verse 101, I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I may walk, that I may keep your word. Friends, repent. Find repentance in Christ. It's a gift. Read Acts chapter 5 and verse 31. Repentance is a gift. Experience that repentance and turn away from evil so that you can experience life. That you can experience life. Follow him with your whole heart. Choose it today. Don't leave it another day. The vengeance of God is coming, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be for you. That's, it, it won't. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
He's been holding it off. He doesn't want it to happen. He doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. He wants people to come to salvation for eternity. So friends, I just simply, simply plead with you. Follow in the ways of Christ. Walk with him. Come to him. Seek him with your whole heart and he will be found of you. Father in heaven, Lord, we want to follow you with all of our heart. And Lord, maybe we're struggling and maybe it's too hard and it's tough. Lord, please just help us. Help us, Lord. Even if we don't feel willing, help us to feel willing. Lord, we're willing to be made willing. Do your work in us. Lord, we understand that sin has some serious effects, but we realize that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. The work of Christ and the work of your goodness is so much greater and deeper, Lord. And so, Lord, please have your way in us. We give our lives completely into your hands now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.